Get your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again! And guess who? Mike Thomas! Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are into week 17 of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak coming off a big Christmas win over the Cleveland Browns in the chilly frigid tundra of Cleveland. I've survived, made it back, thankfully, in time to spend the holiday with Christmas Day. And Jeff, I, I'm just sad I got, had to miss out on that post game because that, it just in a lot of good ways, it was, it was a really feel-good win for the team in tough conditions and not the greatest team in the world, but definitely one you thought had the advantage in the weather and being at home as well. Yeah, I guess first things first, do you have have you counted your fingers and toes yet? Are they all there? Yeah, everything was good. Um, honestly, the worst part was the feet. Uh, that was the hardest part to keep warm. Thankfully, Will Lutz around the second quarter asked for uh, another heater on the sideline, and it was more directed towards his foot and kicking into the the you know the kicking net. So anytime that he was not in that area, I was definitely borrowing his kicking heater because it was pointed towards the ground. And like I said, the feet, even though I had boots, thermal socks, thermal pads for the soles and for your toes, Tootsies were definitely the coldest that day. How many pairs of socks did you wear? Uh, Had regular pair of socks and then the thermal socks. So two pairs of socks. And I guess I needed a third. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's I've been wearing like sweatpants under jeans all week. So I, uh, I can, I can, I can appreciate what you're going through. Cause it was cold here too. I think, you know, you didn't experience the coldest bit of it probably, but I mean, there was uh, some cold nights there. No, and glad that we're warming up this week and hopefully warming up with yeah. Saints football, baby. <laughs> well, right. Like if you had asked me like, which was going to be the cold game of these two, I would have probably guessed Philly, but you know, it's going to be 60 in Philly. So we'll see. But yeah, this is uh we're going to get into this here. If I sound low energy, it's because I've been sick all week and falling downstairs and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, but just we're gonna have to we're gonna have to tough it out. But you know, I'm just I'm just trying to be they have solidarity with the team because they're also probably dying of cold right now. I've probably had three quarters of a cup of uh, pot of coffee, so I'm I'm rolling. <laughs> I did take my temperature and it was like low, low. So, so I don't know what that means. Maybe I'm dying. You mean like yeah, like I don't have a fever. If anything, it's like the wrong direction. You're going into rigor mortis. Yes, you're turning into a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> like like my I'm going into hypothermia or something. But yeah, like like I was like, oh, maybe I'm sick. I should take my temperature, and I was like 96. I'm like well, that's not right. And I tried to check it again. It's like 96. I'm like oh, that's that's something that's still probably bad. Well, hopefully but, when you go back and take it again, you're not like at 88. Yeah, well, I think that then I would be dead. Um. But yeah, so I think it just means I'm a cold person and I'm cold now. But all right, so we're going to talk about this cold game and we're going to pick studs and duds from the game on Sunday. Like Steve said, 17-10 win over the Browns. Nice to be talking about positive things. And, you know, that's one of the things that annoyed me after the Falcons game was like Saints fans being upset that the Saints won. And like you hear some of it again, but it's like, no, you want this team to be to be going in the right direction, right? Because this is not a team that's going to be torn down. If you think that like, this team's going to get torn down and next year you'll be seeing a different team. It's just not. So like you should be rooting for this team to be doing positive things at the end of the season. So we're going to talk about that. 
We're going to pick studs and duds, uh, more studs than duds for, for, for once. Second segment, we're going to get into the playoff scenarios, what has to happen. The Saints are still alive. Their odds didn't improve, unfortunately, but they are still alive. So we'll get into what they have to do. It's pretty simple. And then the third segment, we'll get into some some other stuff. But the main question I want to answer is, is this a good defense? Because like you could make the case either way. Uh, but there's some really interesting numbers and stats and like how this team ranks in the league that, that I think make for an interesting debate. But yeah, first things first, Steve, who is your stud from this game? From that game against the Browns, you knew that it was going to be a trench warfare kind of deal not only because of what the team does, the Browns do, but also the conditions. And I thought the Saints run game was really impressive uh, between Taysom Hill. And I know, um, you know, you're looking at the yards per carry. It wasn't so great for Kamara, but just that combined effort, I thought brought that toughness, that grittiness you needed against a Browns front that you knew, but both sides knew what was coming and what you had to do in those conditions and the Saints were able to out-Browns the Browns in Cleveland kind of thing. Out-Browns the Browns. <laughs> Just um, because I knew they were going to be heavy run, obviously, with Nick Chubb. And, you know, I, I was actually surprised on how much they did use Deshaun Watson as a quote-unquote, I guess you would say Jalen Hurts. Yeah, no, like, I thought how much they used him as a runner. He only ran the ball four times. I guess they see those yardage then. He picked up big-time yardage in those situations. Well, he had that one touchdown run. But, yeah, he didn't run much in the second half. The big criticism of how the Browns operated is they didn't run the ball enough. But my biggest criticism of the Saints, and I think a lot of people had this criticism of the Saints, involves the run game. And it, it's about why did Taysom Hill not get his first run until three minutes to go right. in the first half? And Dennis Allen was on WWL last night, and he kind of talked about that. Here's what he had to say. So uh, is that is that just like you had a plan uh, that way, maybe why Taysom Hill wasn't more involved uh, earlier on in, in that first quarter? Yeah, well, look, there was a lot of plays where Taysom was actually involved. They weren't the plays that ended up with him with the ball in his hand. Um, and, and that's part of how that, you know, just the game planning process works. And it's part of how the game played out. You know, the first series of the game, we take over the ball on whatever it was, the one or two yard line. And so now we're backed up, which is, you know, different than being in your normal openers um, and you're coming off your own goal line. So uh, we had the wind at our back in the, in the first quarter. So there were some things that we felt like we might be able to do with the wind at our back. And then they went on about a nine minute drive there in the second quarter, which, which ate up a lot of time uh, in the half. So look, certainly Taysom is a big part of what we do. Um, he's somebody that we want to, uh, have involved. Uh, I feel like we've gotten him involved and, and, uh, look, we got to the key stat, which was making sure that he had his seven carries and his 50 plus yards. And, uh, when we do that, we win. It, it is interesting because they are aware of the stat where exactly. Taysom Hill. So he's rushed the ball seven times or more in five games. The Saints are five and zero oh in those games. The one game he didn't was week one against the Falcons. I think he had four carries, but he also ran for 81 yards and a touchdown in that game. So he had a significant uh, impact. So it's like this team is aware that they need to get Taysom Hill involved. But that's just what frustrated me. It's like, you know, and, and I get what he's saying. Like, if you go back and watch the game again, you'll see Taysom Hill was on the field a lot. He just handed off to Alvin several times. And like, these are some of these are read plays. Some of these are pre-snap. Some of them are post-snap reads. And, you know, the way the defense played, 
kind of forced a handoff, right? But like at a certain point, you just have to say, okay, enough with the read plays, call a designed run for Taysom. And I think that's what they did, you know, obviously late in the second quarter and, you know, on that touchdown drive to start the third quarter. And like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? The game changed once they did that. Crazy. You know, one thing I really wanted to see, unfortunately we didn't, is some kind of trickery in a running play with Shahid. And I don't know if they just didn't have one drawn up, drawn up kind of thing, but I thought it would be a good opportunity to to pull that off in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, I think it's tough in those conditions. You just like, it's hard enough to right. do this simple stuff. I think if you try something like that and you fumble and you like screw it up, then all of a sudden you look like a moron and it's like points are at a premium. And I don't know. I, I think they did the right thing in how they did it. The the one thing a good bit of the last couple of weeks is they'll have Taysom line up under center and then Alvin will motion in and Taysom will kind of shift out and be the lead blocker. And like, that's that, that, that actually works multiple times in the first half. And I think that's kind of where you see that, you know, that pre-snap read where they're like, okay, they're doing a box count. This is what we have. We want an extra blocker. Taysom shifts over. Alvin comes up. And w- what I want to see there, and I know you're talking about with like the the fly sweep or anything like that, where you're kind of getting creative with how you hand the ball off. I would like to see at least once Alvin, and it, this probably isn't one that you throw in that game, but I do want to see it. It's one of those plays where you shift Taysom over and Alvin takes a direct snap and then actually hands it off. To Taysom? To Taysom. Because, like, once teams start getting wise to that, because it works because, you know, every time Taysom goes up there and takes a snap, everyone on that defense is keying on him. And they have a, a plan specifically for Taysom Hill. And then so you shift Alvin in there, and then all of a sudden the defense is confused. They're like, okay, do we do the same thing? We can't key on Taysom anymore. How do we key on Alvin? There's an extra blocker. You have to figure out your gaps. And you also trust Alvin to be better at finding his gaps. So you have to be even more careful. But like, so you you just have so confusion, and then you add more of it, or so you have a plan, and then you add confusion, and then you go back to it, and then you have Taysom like break around the edge. And I just think I think that's going to happen eventually, and it's going to work because it's such a pain in the ass to try to defend that guy to begin with, and then it's like you're just messing with reads. And the only question is, can Alvin execute a handoff in reverse? And I'm not sure. I don't know if he's ever do it. So that's probably something you'd have to try. I think that's something he'd be up to. We know we've talked to him in the past and he's all about, he's waiting for his turn to get to throw a pass. What I would do if I, so if I was designing this for me <laughs> in the offense, in, because like I said, Alvin doesn't really have the experience of handing the ball off, right? He's received it his whole career. I would set that up and practice it where you kind of do like a pop pass. You know what I'm talking about? Like in college, like you have the guy come in motion, but you're not handing it off. You're just like popping it up. So it's technically a pass so that if he does fumble it, it's an incomplete pass as opposed to a fumble. That's probably how I would have them practice it. Just so you don't have to worry about a mesh point. Cause like, I don't want Alvin to have to spend his week worrying about a mesh point. I just want him to have to worry about the timing and kind of pop. Anyway, I agree with you. I think the run game is the reason you won that game. It's the reason you were able to finish off two drives in the third quarter. Um, and you did, you know, one of the other reasons you won that drive, won that game is because you were able to steal three points against the wind, which if you go back and look, there was 10 points scored by the Browns, 17 points scored by the the saints, 24 of those points were scored with the wind. The only points in that game that were scored against the wind were the saints at the end of the first half. And I think like, that's a big thing because if you're not able to get that score before halftime, 
You know, the Browns probably aren't being as aggressive with a lead in the third quarter. You might not get that turnover. That was something I'll say, like, for me, when the Browns went up 10 nothing, it it felt very defeating, but you didn't get mm-hmm. that sense from the team at all, which was at least uh, was obviously encouraging. But for me, I was like, holy shit, you know, 10 nothing on the road here in the weather. I'm like, they're going to get stomped the rest of the yeah, way. It might as well have been 40. Like coming back from 10 nothing in that game was probably similar to the Vikings coming back from like 26 down. <laughs> but, you know, like I think it's a good example of like when you talk about, okay, why would you keep Dennis Allen on for another season? Because a team that has quit on its head coach would not win that game. Definitely. You have right. to be playing hard. and you, you have to have positive emotion and momentum to win that game. Like teams that quit on their coach lose 51 to something on Thanksgiving with all the kids watching on Nickelodeon. That's what teams that quit on their coach do. And that's why Nathaniel Hackett got fired in year one. We talked about this. Like it's rare to see a guy get fired in year one. That's how you do it. By going on national television on Christmas Day and getting just – Bitch slapped by Baker Mayfield, by a team that doesn't even have his starting quarterback. Um, that's how you do it. Anyway, so that's my stud for this game. And we'll do these quick because you we went pretty long on that, but I think it deserved it. Uh, Rashid Shahid. We've talked about this guy yeah. every week, it seems like. And he just keeps delivering. No other wide receiver caught a pass. He caught four of them. I mean, no other Saints wide receiver caught a pass. He was four for five on on targets. You know, he he helped them move the ball in key moments, that drive. In the third quarter, you know, he had a big catch and run to extend that drive. And like you only needed to throw as much as you needed to throw. And once you were playing with a lead, you know, you were fine. And that's why you had to get out to a lead to win this game. You can talk about, okay, Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped a ball in the end zone. David and Joe dropped a ball in the end zone late in the game. The reason you dropped those balls is because you didn't want to be throwing them in the first place because it is impossible to catch in those conditions. And that's what, what she did in actually catching the ball is <laughs> what what was very impressive. He had one tough decision on a punt. That that first Saints drive started on what their two. And that's the only critique I have of him in that game is he needed to field that ball. Because with the ice on the field, it's like a rocket. It's gonna deaden the ball, right? And that was a dangerous spot. Like if you get a safety there and then you're punting, like that's tough. And but he there was one that he like fielded it like a like a third baseman trying to like, you know, just knock it down, um, which is a dangerous technique in the NFL, because if the ball squirts away from you in the NFL, it's a friggin fumble. But he did. I mean, he got it. And like that was another example where it's like, OK, you either get on that or it's going to go 15, 20 yards. Right. And, you know, he was able to field a couple more punts, you know, a muff punt. You probably lose that game. So, you know, good for him. He, he's been he's just gotten better and better every week. And. You know, it's he. It, I, I mean, it's it's wild. It's wild how good he has been able to be in this limited time frame. Like he didn't even get on the field until week six, and uh, yeah, it's remarkable. And so the Saints, you know, you want to talk about the positive things that this Saints team has, and in Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, you have weapons. You have young weapons, and you haven't been able to say that for a long time for the Saints. No, I think I made this comment, and you know, my, my dream of dreamlands too. You you mentioned those two, obviously. You get back a healthy, I know everyone's going to roll their eyes when I say it, but you get back a healthy Michael Thomas next year with those two, and holy crap, you talk about one of the best, you know, one, two, three punches you have at wide receiver. Now, unfortunately, I think the Saints go into Philly against one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL right now. You get the luxury of being able to bring Michael Thomas back and not have to ask him to do too much because you can't expect a ton out of him. But you don't need nearly as much out of him. But you you do retain 
like a premier possession receiver, a guy who can make contested catches. And if he ever does get back and is able to play, you know, without without injuring himself every four games, you know, that's what you're going to want. That's what that's what this team doesn't have right now. And it didn't get it in Jarvis Landry either. And that's a big disappointment as well. OK, so just some honorable mentions, guys who did have a really good game and uh, but didn't make the studs column. Tyron Matthew, you know, my guy, 11 tackles, led the team. He had six solo tackles, now first on the Saints in solo tackles with 58. Pete Werner is second. So to be fair, Pete Werner is second with 56. If he hadn't been hurt, he would easily be outstripping that number. If you combine his and Kate analysis starts, like the will linebacker position has accounted for, I think, 85. But like this is everyone wants to say, like Tyron Matthew can't tackle. Well, all he's doing is going out there and making tackles. He had a tackle for loss on on Kareem Hunt where Kareem had a ways to run if he doesn't make that tackle. And uh, he did. And, you know, he may have started a little slower than than he probably hoped and fans probably hoped. But, like, my biggest issue with it is people have been watching lately. They made their decision after, like, week two. And it's like, he's been really good the last, like, months. And this defense has been good the last, like, two months. And, uh, you know, he showed it in this game when they really needed him without Marcus May. No, and it's, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you've mentioned, like, the beginning of the year, folks were talking about, oh, you know, Matthew's ready to basically call it a, a season after this year. And especially last game, I definitely will say he had an, an impressive outing when they really needed it in Cleveland. Maybe he needs to thrive more in the those uh, outside cold temperatures. I don't know, but I was going to say an honorable mention. I was going to another safety and Daniel Sorensen just for being – just because the play came right to you, he still made the play, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the Saints would be perfectly fine with a lot more of these interceptions that kind of fall into your hands. Amen. Right? No, for sure. Like, no one's complaining about Bradley Roby getting that fumble against uh, Atlanta. No one's complaining about Daniel Sorensen just saying, well, look what I found. You, know, you uh, mentioned Roby. I think he could have had two picks in that game. Yeah. Well, and it's a game where, you know, you shouldn't take for granted someone – catching a ball, even if it is like gift wrapped, right? Yeah. <laughs> so in that case, I give it to him. But I do, just to go back to Tyron for one second, because, you know, Tyron's my guy and I can't help but stand for him. Again, and I said this about the team in general, like one of the critiques is like, oh, he just doesn't care. He's not just out there collecting a paycheck. And it's like, no, right. no, 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 no. You are not the leading tackler in like the coldest game in Saints history, unless you want to be. Unless, unless you really care about it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just, there's been so many attacks on the guy's character. And that's what bothers me more than like being critical of him as a player. Like, yes, he has limitations, but these guys are out there working hard. They're working their asses off. Uh, and, they're, and, they're, and they're playing good right now. One more is uh, Carl Granderson, who, you know, I don't know if he had a great game overall. I think he was solid, but he obviously made the play of the game. In yeah. coming up from the, you know, he wasn't actually in coverage. It was something that sounds set after the game. He was just chasing David and Joku upfield because it was his job to chip him. Because if you remember, if you go back to the Browns Bucks game, similar scenario, fourth down, it was David and Joku who caught this crazy one handed touchdown to send it to overtime. And you're looking at a very similar situation right there. And so the Saints obviously are watching tape and they saw that and they were like, this is what they're going to go to. And so they sent Carl Granderson out there to chip him. And he did. And so but it took him a while to get there and he had to chase him. And so that's why he's coming from like off the frame to make that sack. And I think it does show you like, that's a situation where if Deshaun makes him miss, you don't know what's going to happen, right? He, he might be on it in. He might be able to, to extend and find somebody. It's not easy to cover for that long. And that's a very athletic tackle to make coming full speed 
upfield and uh, good for him. He deserved it. Yeah, and I think uh, didn't DA give him some praise saying he's been one of the most improved players this season for the Saints? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said that in the offseason too. I mean, and the other thing is he he apparently does not feel cold because he was out there shirtless before the game and he said only his hands were cold. Him and, and Joku, I said, it was doing that too. It was ridiculous. You see these guys and literally when you were I, when I went down there right away just the smoke from your you know mouth is billowing out because it's so cold yeah. and just breathing I can't imagine exposing my whole upper chest out there they're nuts well Tano Passenio did it as well meanwhile Alvin Kamara is then like a wetsuit being like it's cold guys I'm not gonna pretend I'm not cold because I don't think I'm cold I'm freaking exactly cold. he was not um, being he was definitely in no shame in his game. He was by the heaters just as much as I was. There were also like no local media there, which is kind of no, funny. Like right. I think it was Ricardo Lecomte who was like the only person asking questions in person. There was an issue with like, you know, getting flights in. Yeah, obviously. a lot of the flights were canceled, right. And Ricardo happened to be in the area, I think, because either, either his family or his, yeah. um, his wife's family kind of thing. It's just kind of weird. It was like a COVID game. Yeah. Like there was like 5,000 fans. <laughs> you know, there was no media. <laughs> anyway. So, okay, let's shift to the other side. And there aren't many, you know, I'm not going to give a whole lot of people a lot of grief in this game. Getting through it alone makes you a stud in my book. There's one player who I think you can just fairly say is a dud. And uh, who, who would you say it was? I guess you'd have to give it to Mr. Stonehands, Keith Kirkwood, two pretty big drops. Yeah. I mean, but I'll, I'll say this, like, what are we doing drawing up plays on third down and long for Keith Kirkwood? Well, that's what happens when you don't have any wide receivers. <laughs> I mean, well, I, who I else mean, are you drawing it up for? I'm throwing it for Shahid at least. Well, yeah, I mean, so I mean, but you can't just say, well, this is a one-man read. Like, they take it away. you got to be able to throw it to the other guys. And, I mean, who else Who, who else is out there in that combination, right? Where I guess you could say, where's Traquan? But you could be saying that all year. What could you say? Where Mark Wes? You could be saying that all year. Um, you know, it's funny because the second one looks bad. But like that one, I don't even put on him. Like I'm pretty sure the ball literally was where he was going to catch it. And then at the last second, it just got blown into the back of his head. Like it's not like he didn't know where it was. It just ended up in the back of his head, which is like that's why you don't want to throw it. Like that's we heard it all week. Like the first one, though, he actually had it in his hands. Any, any, just couldn't hold on, and that that one I think would have would have been a major difference. Like you, you were extending a drive, and yeah. So he's, I think it's fair to be critical of that because he had two chances to really make an impact in that game, and he wasn't able to do it. No, the ball was just like we've t- we talk about it as it being a rock. Yeah, it was. There's just so stiff and slick from everything. I, I, you know, that I think that was an underrated issue, maybe not talked about enough. It was all about maybe the wind affecting passes, but definitely the coldness and slipperiness of the ball caused a lot of issues on both sides. And and he's the only guy that I think is fair to give a to give a a dud to on the Saints side. But I will, you know, in most cases I stay away from the other team because I don't really care. In this case, a massive, massive dud to Kevin Stefanski from the Browns. And it's kind of funny because after the game, I was pointing out to people like you know, we can criticize Dennis Allen for a lot of things. The personnel on the field isn't one of them. Like, you, like he is the defensive play caller. He is not calling the offensive plays. He can make suggestions, and he can say, well, let's do this here. And in the down and distance situations, he makes the call, right? But, like, in, in the instances of, like, well, why isn't Taysom getting the ball? That's on Pete Carmichael. He's calling the plays. Dennis Allen can't be like, Oh, what was that play, Pete? No, give it to Taysom instead. Like, that's not how this works. So, like, we can criticize him in the game planning portion, but during the game, you got to 
you got to hope your offensive coordinator can figure stuff out on the fly. In the Browns case, Kevin Stefanski does call the play. So for the same reason, I will criticize Dennis Allen for stuff that happens on the defense. And I would used to be able to criticize Sean Payton for stuff that happened on the offense. You can criticize Kevin Stefanski for what happened on the Browns offense. And the fact that the Browns threw the ball 31 times, which is a good number in any conditions. The fact they threw the ball 31 times in that game is nonsense. Nonsense. They they care not about whatever we're talking about the win, right? Right. In a game that was tied 10-10 and they had the ball near midfield. Why are you throwing us like a short crossing pattern? You have Nick Chubb. He ran the ball 24 times. He should have run the ball 40 times. Like that's the type of game where you run your running back 40 times or at least say Kareem Hunt. Okay. Season high in touches, right? No. Seven carries. They ran the ball the same number of times with their running backs that they threw it with Deshaun Watson in a game that you could not throw the ball in half of the game. That is ridiculous. That final drive. Like, yeah, they they moved it downfield, but, like, why were they not trying to run it into the end zone, (laughs) right? Like, that's bananas to me. This guy leads the NFL in rushing yards in the fourth quarter of games, and they decided, yeah, we're going to let Deshaun handle this one. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And you can't say they're tanking because they don't even have their own first-round pick. They're (laughs) right in the same boat as the Saints. So, like... Just terrible, terrible coaching. Because they had a chance, they had a really slim chance to make the playoffs, but they still had a chance to make the playoffs in that game. Sure. And like he coached them right out of it, right? And uh, like that's just terrible, terrible. What, what, like you, you mentioned there, it's like you have one of the NFL's best, if not the NFL's top running back this season, and you just completely nullified him in the biggest crucial time. I get it. You're trying to make your your star quarterback your hero there, but you you would think you'd you'd see a lot more Chubb than you did for sure. I, I agree. There was only 24 touches. I think you said you would think that number would at least be 35. Amari Cooper had more targets than any of the Saints non-running backs combined. Like Rashid Shaheed had five targets. Juwan Johnson had two. Keith Kirkwood had two. That's nine total. Amari Cooper had ten by himself. Yeah, they, they clearly felt the they could they pass did, yeah. in this weather. In terrible. The weather. It's terrible. Like, you'd think a team that plays in it would understand how to play in it. But, like, that was just horrible game planning with a guy that does not understand how to play in the cold. Like, it's not like Deshaun is this great cold weather quarterback either. This is, like, the first time he's had to deal with anything like this. And, like, Kevin Stefanski, just big thumbs down. It's terrible. If you told me they were trying to lose that game on purpose, I'd believe you. <laughs> That's it for me. Anyone else you want to talk about? I guess low-key shout-out to Will Lutz for making all his kicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't miss, right? Neither neither of them missed. Low-key shout-out. We we gave the Browns a dud. We can give them a stud, too. Cade York, good on you. You didn't miss. Neither did Will Lutz. All the kickers in a game where we were told that you couldn't kick. Neither of them had any issues. They obviously didn't kick any long field goals, but they were able to make their extra points, which that's a decent length, right? Like, you see guys miss... On extra points regularly in the dome, you see people miss. So good on them for making it. But all right, we'll come back and do a quick one on the uh, playoff road and a bit on the Eagles heading into week 17. The Saints are still alive. Odds will say that this will be the last week we can say that. So let's let's take advantage of it. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get all those podcasts you listen to.